0: And we are so glad that you're here. So what we're going to do today is, is uh, we finished our series last week on spiritual habits. And so we are going to begin another series next week called Generosity that I am really jazzed about because it, it, it basically opens up for us as believers this opportunity to live an abundant life. And rather than living a life of scarcity where we got to hang on to everything, we trust God and we live this abundant life that Jesus wanted us to live in John 10.10. 10. So this message is kind of a segue into that, and it's called Bigger Faith. So you kind of get the idea that what we're going to be talking about today and over the next couple, three weeks is this idea of of basically living out our Christian life based on faith and that we just trust God to do big things. And that's kind of what I'd like to, to jump into this morning if we could. I did a little study this week of things that amazed Jesus, like during his earthly ministry, if you read through the Gospels, like you see a lot of people who are amazed at Jesus or they marveled at what he did or what he said. But how many times was Jesus impressed? How many times was Jesus amazed? Twice. And so we're going to look at two passages in the Gospels. And so we're going to take a look first in Mark chapter 6 we'll read the first several verses here in Mark 6, and we're going to see what Jesus was amazed at, and then we're going to look at Luke chapter 7 and see what Jesus was amazed at there. I think this is going to be really an aha moment for us this morning. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. Now that was Nazareth. So he comes back to Nazareth where he basically comes home, Right? And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. So they were. What does that say? Offended by him. Now, I, I looked earlier in that that in in the. If you want to go a little bit deeper, the the where we get most of our scripture today came from. The Greek language. And so if you go back a little while you know, and you study the Greek a little bit, that word that we read earlier where they were astonished at what he was saying, that's almost like blown away because like the air was taken out of them. It's like a gut punch. Like, my goodness, this guy is really saying some incredible things and doing some incredible things. And then you get to this word where it says offended. And you know what it means? It means they were offended. <laughs> that's about it. So, I mean, they were just offended, I was looking for something deeper, and that's all there was. They were just offended at Jesus. It says this in verse 4, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Basically, he's saying, Everywhere else I go, people recognize and honor me, but not here in my own hometown. Verse 5, this is the saddest thing. Now, he could do no mighty work there. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled. This is the first time Jesus was amazed. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So the first thing we see here is that Jesus was amazed at the lack of faith. That's not the kind of amazed we want. And then we see in Luke chapter 7, this incredible story of a centurion. In Luke chapter 7, the first several verses here, verse 1 says this, Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus... He sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And they said, and when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. They're like, this is a really good guy, Jesus. You really should do what he's asking you to do. He says in verse 5, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, here's what's amazing. This is a centurion. This is a centurion that had enough authority that he actually had a synagogue built for the Jews. He hears about what Jesus is doing and he does not even feel like he can go personally and make this request. So he gets other Jewish leaders in his town to go to Jesus on his behalf and says, I've heard what you can do. Would you just come and heal my servant? And he says this. For I am also, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers unto me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He marveled at him. So here's the second time Jesus was amazed. And then verse 10 says this, and those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. Now this same story is also in the book of Matthew chapter 8, but it's the same story. So there's three different accounts, but two different occurrences of when Jesus was amazed. First time he was amazed at their lack of faith. This time he is amazed at how much faith And here's what's amazing is that what Jesus was able to accomplish was directly proportional to the amount of faith that was exercised. So he did not many mighty works in Nazareth because of their unbelief. And this guy because of his incredible faith, Jesus didn't even have to show up. He just gave the word. Both things amazed Jesus. Both instances amazed Jesus. One was a lack of faith. The other one was how much faith. So so here's the question. How big is your faith? And I know that that is an intangible, okay? And I realize that that's going to be different for everybody. But let's just say if it was a scale of 1 to 10. Let's just throw this out there. Now, you don't have to circle that if you're afraid your neighbor's going to see it. Or your wife's going to be like, really? Really? But maybe just do an imaginary circle, right? So, so how big, where would you rate your faith? I mean, it has to be something because you are, you're here, right? In bad weather. So we'll give you an extra point for that one. So if you're a two, we'll give you a three today, right? I know. But it's subjective. But, but, but what if God answered all of your prayers, Like, how much different would this world be? How much better would your world be in your immediate circle of influence, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your workspace, for your family? If you would have faith, what would God be at work doing because of your faith? What have you prayed about? What have you attempted? Where do you fall on this scale of faith? And it's a conversation starter. It is, it is simply a way to get you to think, all right, if Jesus is like an 11, where am I here? And what my prayer is for you, and what my prayer is for us, is that we will walk out of here this morning ready to exercise bigger faith. That will go up a notch or two, that will step out of the proverbial boat. In Hebrews chapter 11, known as the Great Faith chapter, also known as the Hall of Faith, the writer of Hebrews gave 16 different character examples of individuals who exercised faith, who stepped out into the unknown, and trusted God to do something. Here's what they said. I believe God, and because I believe God, then I am going to do this. Now, you see that. So here's the thing. Faith produces action. Right? Faith produces The faith that I have in God ought to produce some type of change of behavior. It ought to produce something else. And so as you read through Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to see stuff like this. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith. And then what it's going to do is tell you what they did because of the faith that they had. So faith produces action. Something powerful begins to happen when God's children trust their Almighty Father to do something greater in their life than they could have done without Him. It pleases Him. It amazes Him. That's the one thing we can do to please our Father. So I pray this morning that God will inspire you to take a step of faith. And here's the scary part about that. I don't know what that is for you. But I love the fact that there are going to be stories from your lives from today as you begin to exercise and grow your faith a little bigger. And let me confess, I don't know what that is for you, and I wouldn't pretend to know. But I'm asking God to speak to your heart this morning and encourage you and prompt you To put him to the test. And I'll say this. If God is in it, you can't go wrong. And that faith that we say that we have is for more than just coming to church. It is for more than getting a parking space closer to the front doors of Walmart. Our faith is for big stuff. We have the God of the universe as our Father who encourages us in Scripture to come to him boldly and make requests. And yet, we are satisfied with status quo. And my prayer for you this morning is that your heart will be pricked, that you will be challenged to do something greater with the faith that you possess and that your faith will grow. Let me give you a couple things here about faith that I think are good lessons for us. The first thing is this. You cannot play it safe and please God. Now, that's kind of harsh. And let me just tell you, like, right, so I turned 51 this year. I know. It's just hard to believe. But as I grow older, I get risk adverse. I get risk adverse. All right. The older I get, the more my flesh, the more my common sense takes over and the less risks I want to take. But good night, Moses was called to lead the people of Israel when he was 80 years old, so I got a ways to go yet here. So this speaks to my heart as well as it's speaking to speak into your heart. You can't play it safe and please God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it actually says these exact words. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. God just said that. And then it says this, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is hard. Faith is messy. Faith is not a nice, neat little box that we know all the answers in. Faith is a step into the unknown many times. But let me just say this. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Nothing gets done in the kingdom of God without faith. And that's a huge statement. You're going to go out to eat today, many of you. And you're going to exchange these little pieces of paper with green writing on it for goods and services. It's how our economy functions. It's how things happen. The currency of the kingdom of God is faith. That's how things happen. If you can accomplish everything in your life without the help of God, then maybe your life looks more like Mark chapter 6 instead of Luke chapter 7. Now, we will all acknowledge the fact that we can't even take a breath without God. And the job that you enjoy, the job that you work, and the income that you provide your family is all because of God's goodness to you. And the safety that you experience, getting back and forth to work, and the, and the food that's available to buy, and the house that you have, and the roof over your head, and the family that you enjoy, all of those are, are a direct result of God's incredible goodness to you. So we acknowledge that without God, none of that would be possible, but we don't live that way. Because acknowledging God's goodness to us is not the same as living in faith. If you're not scared every now and then, (laughs) maybe we're not taking too many steps out of the proverbial boat. Every once in a while, there ought to be like a gut check. Like, I don't know about this. Peter walking on water. Yeah, what happened to him? He began to sink, right? But he walked on the water. And the other 11 stayed in the boat. So if you're doing the math, that's only 8% of the people in that boat got out of the boat. But Peter was the one who got out. And yeah, he saw the waves. Yes, he got scared. But man, he's the only one besides Jesus Christ who walked on water. That's a pretty big deal. And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what safe boat you are in. But at some point, if you're going to live a life of faith, it requires getting out of the boat. So here's a follow-up statement to that. Never let the fear of failure talk you out of an act of faith. And I'm just excited to know what that is for you. Like what gives you butterflies? Like what? What is it that you feel called to maybe do, but it's like, man, I just, that's a big deal. Love to, I'd love to hear these stories. So, so you cannot play it safe and please God. Not only that, as long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Hebrews chapter 1 gives us what's known as the definition of faith. I like what Warren Wearsby said. Warren Wearsby said, maybe it's not so much a definition as a description of what faith does and how it works. So let's look at, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What does that even mean? Right? That's like, that's like trying to bat at steam. Like, I don't even... What does that even mean? It's the substance, okay, of what you hope for. I love the word hoped, okay? Because it's not for sure. (laughs) I hope that happens. Faith is saying, I hope it happens, but I'm pretty sure it will. It's the evidence of things not seen. I love that description of what faith is and what faith can do. We're hoping it'll actually happen. But we aren't sure. And let me just say this. I really feel like as long as you have the guarantee, then you're probably not exercising faith. And so there's the doubt. So what I'm saying is, if there is not a little bit of doubt in what you're about to do, is it actually faith? Because if you know for sure, and you say, well, I know God knows for sure. I get all of that. Don't out-spiritual me. But it's like, I, okay, I know God can. I just don't know if I'm taking the right steps. I have more confidence in him than I do in me. And so like if I feel like this is something God wants me to do, there has to be some doubt right here. Like right, right there before your foot falls. There's the doubt. And when that doubt creeps in, that's where faith kicks in. And you're taking that step. Of faith. Guys will appreciate this. Will you go out with me? Make a little box, yes. Make a little box, no. Make a little box, maybe. Right? Of course, like when you were in grade school and did that, like really going out where? Right? Hanging out at the slide. Right? Like we're not talking about like. Will you go out with me? Go out where? So you have that, that little bit. So you send that letter off. You send that little note off through your buddy or whatever. There's doubt there. You don't know what the answer is going to be. You don't know what she's going to say, but you're putting yourself out there. Just like when you ask, when you ask somebody for a date, it's like when you, for, the, for the guy, it's like it really is. There's this nervous twinge. I don't know how this is going to go down. But, like, you don't know for sure, so you send that letter out and you're not, you're not 100%. It's the doubt that you have that makes it faith. And I know that there's this gray area here, and I feel it because I can, I can sense the tension. Because, like, I don't doubt in God necessarily, and I believe that he can come through. All right, we say the same thing like when we pray for someone to be healed, right? Can God heal them? Yes, God can heal them. Well, then how come he doesn't do it every time? How come Jesus didn't heal all the lame people in Israel? He only healed some of them. So there's some doubt there. Like, like I'll pray for God to heal this person. And I believe that he can and I believe that he will. And then there's this little caveat, if it's his will. Right? And that allows for a little bit of, It's on you, God, and that's where it all is. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. It may work. It may not work. You got to trust God to find out. If it's of God and it fails, it's on him. If it's of God and it succeeds, it's on him. Our job is to step. His job is to hold us up. His job is to make it work. But as long as there's a guarantee, then you don't have faith. And finally, to step toward your destiny, you have to step away from security. You've got to let go of what you're hanging on to and take a step. Like I can just imagine Peter, you know, he gets out of the side of the boat, and he's kind of still hanging on the boat. <laughs> so far, so good. But at some point, he had to let go of that boat and start making the journey toward Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 gives us the example of Abraham. It says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, and check it out, not knowing where he was going. But in order for him to reach his destiny, he had to give up his security. Abraham let go of his certainty, he let go of his security, he let go of his routine in order to be able to discover the life that God had for him and subsequently the entire nation of Israel. So is God amazed by your faith? We have access to God and he wants to do big things through us individually and collectively as a church. So let me just ask you this. How will this play out in your life? What is this going to look like for you? This week, where are we going to take that step? And I'm praying that God will speak to your heart to do something that requires bigger faith than you've experienced in the past. It could, it could play out like, like you're going to share your faith with somebody. You're going to risk that conversation. You're not even sure what it looks like right now. But like, but like you're willing to have that conversation. Well, Eric, what if what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Let me tell you what I always say when I don't know the answer to something. I say, I don't know. I don't know. But let's find out. Share your faith. Take a step of faith. Maybe you're going to start giving. Maybe you're going to find something worthy <laughs> of all this that God has given you. And God, where do you want me to put this? Where I want to trust you with my finances. I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to give. I'm going to trust you with my money. Maybe you're going to start to serve somewhere. Maybe you're going to find some place where you can do something to affect the kingdom. Well, I tell you, I just, bless, bless Chris's heart, Chris has never worked with kids in his life, and we had a need during our growth classes for someone to, to work with. What age group was that, honey? Seven through 12-year-olds, right? Like a bunch of kids on crack or something. Like they're, so, so, so he's up in a room there, and we set them all up, and, and we had a TV ready for him, and he had this great video he was going to show them, and he's going to watch all these kids. He goes up there, he opens up his computer, and it says, Microsoft updates needed. Are you familiar with that, Rob? So so like 20 minutes of updates finally. So he's showing them the video on the phone. He's trying to talk to them. But he stepped out and he risked it. He's a 40-year-old guy. Just goes up there and he makes it happen. So I don't know what this step of faith means for you. Maybe you're going to join a community group or you're going to get involved somehow. And you've been holding back. But God is like, this is what I want you to do with your life you're going to start to serve you're going to start to give you're going to share your faith maybe you're going to start a business maybe there's something that you are going to do that risks a lot but you feel this is what god wants me to do and if god is part of it it's going to be a big deal you're going to risk it you might fail but that's on god do all that you can To be obedient to the Lord and step out on faith. I read this this week. Jesus gave us a great commission, not a mediocre one. He gave us a great commission because He's a great God. Craig Rochelle said this He said, If you think the church is too big, then your love is too small. There is something about getting God in on all of this. God doesn't want just a few to come to repentance, He wants all to come to repentance. And that's why we're here. I want more faith. I want bigger faith. And what I want to know is what does that mean for you? And I'm excited to hear the stories of how you share your faith, find a place to serve, give to God, give to his kingdom, start a business, do something, venture out and ask God to grow your faith. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for all of these scriptures and the times when Jesus was amazed by the faith that he did or did not see. Thank you for the examples in the book of Hebrews. And help us as your children to trust you in a big way to do big things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.